Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. It's my privilege to be able to let you know of a few things that are happening around the church body this week. First of all, we have our annual general meeting that is happening next Wednesday, October 28th at 7 p.m. here at the building. If you would like to attend live, please come here. If you are unable to, we will be emailing a Zoom link so that you can connect in that way. Secondly, on November 1st at 6 p.m., we are having one of our first worship and prayer nights here at the church, and we would like to invite you to come to that. And lastly, on October 27th, next Tuesday at 7 p.m., we are starting our Hearing God seminar, which will run for six weeks. If you'd like to attend that, please contact our front desk and sign up. Again, that number is 306-249-0084. And with that, it's also my privilege to be able to lead us in prayer this morning. So would you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you that you are the sovereign Lord, that when we are in a world that is changing so quickly, that we can rely on who you are, that you are in control, and also that your character never changes. That brings us security, and we love you for that. We want to align ourselves with you and your ways and your character. God, there are some key things happening in our world and in our, our province with an election coming up. And God, we ask that your will would be done through the people in this province, the leaders that we have. And we know that you can use and you can do all things through people who don't even know who you are. We've seen that in your word. And we ask God that you will give us wisdom to know uh, how to make a wise choice in our voting, that we would express care and have listening ears and hearts to one another. Just give us wisdom and may your will be done. And God, we also pray for Justin Sturrett who continues to recover from his accident. We ask God that you'll give him grace and that you'll presence yourself with him and you would heal his body. And Lord, we pray for uh, this Hearing God seminar that we are running here at the church next week. God, we need to hear your voice. We need to draw close to you. And there are things that hold us back. And we ask that you would come and meet your people and meet your church here as we learn from your word and we listen to your Holy Spirit, that we would be sensitive to your voice 
and that we would be a part of furthering your kingdom. So Lord, we need you, we desire you, we long for you, and we have expectant hearts to meet with you. Come and be with us. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we reopen the church building and many have returned for Sunday service, I've noticed that a few of us have been wearing masks with different logos on them, some actually with the logo of your favorite sports team. My amazing wife picked this mask up online for me, and I think we have a picture of that here. Does anyone know what team this is? If you follow basketball at all, you know it's the Toronto Raptors. In our house, we love the Raptors, who, by the way, won the NBA title last year. We followed them for years. We've used our air mile several times to fly to Toronto to catch a live game, and that's been awesome. We also enjoyed watching them in the playoffs this year in the Orlando bubble. But unfortunately, they tanked in the second round of playoffs. But here's my question. How have our other Canadian sports teams done in the last few years? How's the Oilers? If our senior pastor were here, I'd ask him. How about the Senators? I asked one of our staff the other day about that. No response. Blue Jays out in the first round. And what about those Riders? Well, they'll be good next year. They're always next year teams, it seems, for us. We love to follow our sports, don't we? We know the players by name, we know the starting lineups, we know the position of each player, but maybe some of us can't track with a, sports, with a, a pro sports teams, and you can't relate. For those that don't connect, I have one question. What is the name of your grandchild's hockey team, or soccer team, or cheer squad? And how did they do this year? My point is that we all follow something. We all follow someone. Be that a pro sports player or a celebrity or maybe an online ministry or maybe it's someone that's in business, a business idol. We all follow someone. In John 14, Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this verse actually serves as the anchor passage for our new Ebenezer mission statement. Our mission is this, to point people to Jesus and help them know and follow him. We point people to Jesus because we believe that he is the way, not just the way to God, but the way to reconciliation, justice, and restoration. We believe he's the truth, not just the truth about God, but the truth about all humankind in this world. And we believe he's the life as well, not just eternal life, but a better and fuller life. As believers, I think that we would all agree with this mission statement and say that we are followers of Jesus. But the first thing that Jesus says in this verse is that he is the way. Not sure if you caught that. He says he is the way. But have we ever really considered what the ways of Jesus are? I was picking up my oldest son from basketball practice one day back when he was in high school, and I overheard the guys complaining about how hard their final exams were. One guy piped up and said, all my exams are brutal except for Christian ethics. I'm going, hmm, I'm going to listen in on this a little more closely. He went on. He just said, I just put love Jesus for every question and I always pass. No teacher is ever going to mark love Jesus as a wrong answer. Now, when it comes to understanding and practicing the ways of Jesus, I think that a lot of us are like this team member. We just love Jesus and it's all good. Now, again, don't get me wrong. Just like the teacher, loving Jesus, I would say, is never a wrong answer. But if we look into the scriptures more carefully, we'll discover that there are actually several distinctives regarding the way that Jesus lived and the model that he gave us to follow. 
I love the short story of Jesus found in Mark 1 detailing his early ministry. In one chapter, the first chapter of Mark, Jesus calls the disciples, he teaches in the synagogue, he drives out an evil spirit, he heals Simon's mother-in-law. I mean, talk about a busy day at the office. And that was only the start. We'll pick it up here in Mark 1 verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Jesus had already been involved in some very strenuous ministry, and yet he still made time for all of these people lined up at the door. And this was at the end of the day. It was all get, already getting dark. But why did Jesus do this? I think Jesus did this because he deeply valued the people around him. And that's the first way of Jesus that I want to point out. Jesus deeply valued the people around him. He was always watching out for those that, that were in his presence. He was always noticing their needs. Matthew 9 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, one of these groups of people that Jesus felt compassion for was the marginalized, the poor and the unclean. They held a special place in Jesus' heart. In Mark 1.40, Jesus is approached by a leper who wants to be healed. But instead of keeping him physically distanced, and we can relate to that, and that's what everyone else in that era was doing, instead of keeping him far away, Jesus literally reached out to the man and touched him. And that touch brought healing. The man's skin was restored, but it also brought dignity to this man who'd been considered untouchable for years. Jesus also showed deep concern for the poor. Listen to his teaching in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. In Luke 6, he says this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Jesus brought incredible value to the poor when so many in culture just simply disregarded them and walked by. Another group that was kept on the fringe of society in Jesus' day was women. One Jewish writer said, It's the way of a woman to stay home. And it's the way of a man to go out into the marketplace. In a culture and time when it was considered improper for men to even speak directly to women, the gospel showed Jesus speaking with kindness and courtesy to the women that he encountered over and over and over again. In Luke 13, Jesus heals a woman who had been doubled over by spiritual oppression. And then in front of everyone in the synagogue, he calls her a daughter of Abraham. This gave her spiritual status equal to every man in the place. The attitude and actions of Jesus continually elevated and brought dignity to the people in a culture and time who were typically sidelined and ignored. The poor, the marginalized, women, the unclean, these were only a few of the people that Jesus reached out to. He also valued those of other cultures, the Samaritan, the Gentile, and even the Romans, despite the fact that they were political oppressors at the time. Can you imagine what our society would look like if our culture gave people the same dignity and value that Jesus gave to those that he encountered? Where would the social justice movements be that we've seen pop up in the last few years? I'd venture to say they wouldn't even exist if we treated people as Jesus did. Jesus never lost sight of the people around him and their needs. In Jesus' eyes, everyone was a VIP, a valued and important person. Question for us today. When you walk down the block in your neighborhood, what do you see? That rowdy teenager with the pounding car stereo 
Maybe he's digging in your garbage can looking for bottles in the mornings. The new Canadian who doesn't speak English very well. The middle-aged man who sits in the garage by himself nursing his booze way too often. Do we tend to see what we might call problem people? Or do we see VIPs, valued and important people? People who are loved by God as much as we are. People that Christ died for just as he died for us. When our kids were little, we had a neighbor across the street who loved to play his music like off the charts loud. So loud that the pounding bass woke my kids up in the middle of the night. And this happened all the time. The police came by. They couldn't even get in because the music was so loud. They couldn't, he couldn't hear them pounding on the door. Day and night, the music volume was off the charts. And I have to say, it kind of drove me crazy. But as I took note of the comings and goings in that house across the street a little more closely, I saw a lot of other things going on. One weekend while this fellow was gone fishing, his wife drove up with another man in a truck and trailer, a dually one ton with a small gooseneck trailer on the back, and they completely emptied the house. All the furniture, everything was gone. And when this neighbor came home, you could see his, his mouth drop open, and then his shoulders drooped. Even from across the street, the whole neighborhood saw it. Eventually, this neighbor moved, and we lost track of him. But a few years later, a rumor circulated that our, our old neighbor had been found in Stanley Park leaning against a tree. He'd taken his own life. There was a lot of pain going on in that house across the street, and I don't know if I could have made any difference, but I have to confess to my shame, I saw a problem person not a VIP. Our world is screaming for people to truly and deeply value each other and treat each other with the dignity, worth, and respect that each of us longs for and deserves. And that was the way that Jesus lived. It was his way of interacting. It was his model. And he's calling all of us who say we follow him to walk in that same way. Now, there's a second way of Jesus that we see in our passage. Jesus was completely dependent on the Father. Back in Mark 1, we saw that Jesus had been up late. He'd been ministering to all these people who had been lined up at his door. And now we'll pick it up in verse, 30, verse 35 of chapter 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now, Jesus may have been tempted to enjoy the fame and this celebrity status given back to him in town where the crowds were waiting for him. But Jesus longed for time with his heavenly Father more than he desired the accolades of the crowd. And so he stole away early in the morning to spend time in prayer. Now, if we were to read through the Gospels, and you have to do this very intentionally, but if you were to read through them watching for the times when Jesus goes off on his own to pray, you'd notice the Gospels are literally riddled with these times. There's not a lot of fanfare given to many of them, but there's little phrases describing Jesus' times of prayer and solitude, and they are everywhere. The work that Jesus was a call to accomplish required deep, deep dependency on God. And the key was spending time abiding with the Father. Now, as the followers of Jesus, we're called to partner in his purpose, the building of the kingdom of God, but the temptation to be pulled off track by the passions and pleasures of this world are all around us. Fortunately, the good news for us is that as believers, we have access to the same abiding love relationship with the Father that Jesus had. 
In John, Jesus says this to his followers. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me or abide. Some translations use abide, but remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then in seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, to remain or to abide, as I mentioned before, starts with spending time with the Father. It's about getting to a quiet place. And Jesus did that. He understood that. So getting to that place, it's about laying our distractions before the Lord. It's about inviting him to take all of that stuff. It's about asking the Holy Spirit to meet us and teach us. It's about opening the word of God and allowing him to speak. It's about trusting God and obeying what he's revealed. Now, those who, who practice and understand and experience this abiding find over time that God actually starts to show up in their daily experience and their Christian life becomes exciting and fulfilling. But those who don't practice this, those who don't do practice this way of Jesus, see less and less of God around them. Their sense of God's presence starts to fade. Their disappointments with God grow. And all of a sudden, he becomes less and less important. And in all honesty, I can't help but wonder if this isn't why some have wandered away from following Christ. They've never experienced the joy and peace of God that comes through abiding and depending on him. If you're interested in learning more about the practices and habits surrounding listening to God and learning to abide, we'd encourage you to come to our Hearing God Seminar here at Ebenezer. It starts next Tuesday, I believe, October 27th, goes for six weeks through to December 1st. If you'd like to register for that, just text the church number 306-249-0084 and follow the links to register for that event. Dependency upon the Father was one of the ways of Jesus, and he cultivated that through deeply abiding with the Father. And as those of us who follow Jesus, we are called to walk in that way. Now, there's a third way of Jesus that we see in our passage. Jesus lived a life of purpose. Back to the Mark passage, we read that Jesus had been ministering late into the evening, but instead of continuing this work the next morning, he left town early to go and pray. Now, the whole town was expecting him to continue this ministry the next day, and the disciples were no exception. They thought Jesus should continue doing this amazing stuff. After all, that's what you do when you're getting a new movement up and running. You don't do all this amazing ministry, perform all these fantastic miracles, gain momentum like crazy, and then just vanish. We know from reading the passage earlier again that the disciples went crazy looking for Jesus. They, they wanted him to continue this work. And when they found him, Jesus said this to them. Verse 38, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. This was Jesus' purpose. This is why I have come. He came to preach the good news that the kingdom of God was upon them and that salvation was at hand. Th this was Jesus' purpose. This is why the disciples were recruited to help with this work. That's why he was mentoring them. The miracles that Jesus performed, these were a sign that his message was true. Jesus was all about his purpose. Everything that he did centered on that. But in this first chapter of Mark, we see that the disciples had missed the point. 
They thought Jesus was, his work was all about gaining fame and popularity and possibly having some influence on the politics of that time. That's what they thought. They missed the point. But before we get all judgmental on the disciples, take a minute to look at our own lives. As followers of Jesus, our purpose ought to be the same as that of Christ. Yet how often does our purpose of sharing God's love get lost in our own longings and distractions? Have you ever heard the phrase, the great American dream? I know that many of us have heard that. And essentially what this is, is the dream is to move upwardly in society through hard work with the end goal of living comfortably. It typically involves getting a good education and a good job that has a good pension. Many in North America have chased the, the American dream, some very intentionally, and some of us simply because that's what everyone else is doing. But here's the problem with the American dream. More education is required to get the same or even lesser paying job than before. And so in order to compete, more of our young people are getting more education than ever before. And the result is massive debt loads for many of our Canadian millennials. Others in our society, they, they chase the American dream, but they've chosen to use credit to buy all the stuff that people of affluence would appreciate. That's what they've done. A Stats Canada report shows Canadians now owe $1.77 for every dollar they have to spend. Canada's debt to disposable income ratio hit an all-time high of 178% in late 2017. It seems to me the great American dream has leveled up to become the great American debt load. And the result, huge levels of stress, huge levels of anxiety from so many people within our society. Now there's other things that bring that on, but this is there for so many. And now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying a good education and a, and a good job are wrong. I'm not saying retirement is wrong. The problem comes when we're consumed by these things at the expense of kingdom purpose. A couple thoughts from Jesus regarding money. Matthew 6, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will, will be also. Then down to verse 24 of chapter 6, you can't serve both God and money. A little further in Matthew 6, Jesus says this, don't worry about your life. It's in the context of money. Don't worry about your life. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stole away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much? Are you not much more valuable than they? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So what does Jesus teach regarding money and need? We all need, we all need, need the, the basics of life. What does he teach regarding the stresses and anxieties that, that come with it? At the very end of the passage, Jesus brings it all back to purpose. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That was Jesus' purpose. 
And so his invitation to those of us that are stressed and worried about money and possessions is to trade in our pursuits for his purpose. Don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses. Don't worry about the American dream. Make our purpose the pursuit of the kingdom of God. Align our purpose with that of Christ. And God will care for our needs. And in fact, our lives will become much richer as we experience God along the way. Jesus lived a life of purpose. His greatest pursuit was to share the good news of the kingdom of God. That was the, his way. That was his model. And those of us that say we follow him, we're called to walk in that same way. Now, we've looked quickly at Mark chapter 1, and here we've seen three of the ways of Jesus. Now, these are not the only things that Jesus modeled for us. If we're to dig into the Gospels further, I know that we would find more. But I think these three offer just sort of a solid platform when it comes to the ways of Jesus. Jesus deeply valued the people around him. Jesus was completely dependent on the Father. Jesus lived a life of purpose. So I've got a, just a couple of closing questions for us today, and you can talk about those in your home hub or in your small group or your smaller gathering. Here, here they are. First one, when you walk down the block in your neighborhood, what do you see? A lot of us see the buildings or the, or the grass, you know, people's yards. But what do you see in terms of people? How can you treat the people around you as valuable and important people? Our default is often just to walk by. But how can we treat these people as valuable and important people? Second question. Take some time in your hub and just chat about this. What are your habits regarding the time you spend with God? Would abiding be a word that you would use? Why or why not? What might God be inviting you to change or adjust? Should you consider attending the Hearing God Seminar? Talk about that one. Here's a third one. If you were to actually track your activities, the things that you do, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your resources, what would you find? Track those things, write them down, and what purpose then would be revealed by that if you were to do it? Try and put some sort of a, a tag onto what you would see, describing what, you, what you've seen there. And then pray about your response. Is there something the Holy Spirit is inviting you to change or to adjust? So that's our three questions. You can find them online. Um, we've, we've shared them here. And I, to close, I'd just like to invite us to spend a, a moment in prayer. Father, I want to thank you um, that you've sent Jesus, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that he's been an incredible model for us to follow, and we see that in the Gospels. Lord Jesus, as we consider even these three simple ways that we've seen today from first, uh, first chapter of Mark, I pray that we would just invite you to, to search us and help us understand uh, how our own ways are aligning with those of Jesus. Give us the ability and, and the courage to make change and empower us to do that. Thank you for that. We, we want to model you more fully. We want to follow you more fully. And in doing so, we want to join you in your kingdom, kingdom work that you've established for us to do. Thanks for this time. Thanks for all who have joined us today. We ask that you might bless us and encourage us and guide us as we go from here today. We ask in your name.
Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.